Well, hey, Babble Love listeners. Glad y'all are back with us today. Um, we are going to start with a prayer. This is actually a prayer adapted from W.E. Orchard. So the Lord be with you. Also with you. Also with you. Eternal God, who make us all things new and abide us forever the same, grant us to commence this year in thy faith and continue it in thy favor, that being guided in all our doings and guarded in all our days, we may spend our lives in your service. Amen. Amen. So we are joined today by repeat guest. I forget what we had you talk about last time, Dorian, but this is the Reverend Dorian Del Priore. He is now the priest in charge at Holy Cross Episcopal Church in Simpsonville, South Carolina. He used to work across the courtyard for me when he was at Trinity Cathedral and I was in the diocesan house, but we both moved on to, I don't know if they're greener pastures, they're different pastures. They're far away Very from different. Jimmy pastures. And, <laughs> Much to his chagrin. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. He's left all by himself now. But we're here. Thank you for joining us, Dorian. I'm super excited. Thanks for having me back with y'all. This is a this is a blast, and um, get to hang out with y'all and and uh, wrestle with uh, what God's speaking to us in these uh, scriptures. It's always a good time. Yeah. So we are continuing with First Chronicles. If you remember last week, we. We tackled the first 10 verses, which was real quick one run through of the ancestry of everything from, you know, the beginning to Saul kicking over. And then it led us up to, you know, Saul failed. He was unfaithful. He died. It was handed over to David. And now we're going to try to get through the life of David. You know, the life of David, we've already been through once over a course of several books of the Bible. Now we're going to tackle the life of David in 11 chapters because that's what the chronicler does, which seems wild. Yeah, I was telling Dorian and Alan before we started, um, the section that we're in today, it's all about David. It's all about David, which is interesting because the first 10 books that we, um, or chapters that we went through, um, had everybody in it. And then it's, it's just interesting to me that the chronicler thinks this way. And so, you know, he took, Ten to talk about a lot of people, and then he's taken another eleven just to talk about David. So, as you might remember, listeners, two weeks ago, Doctor Tony said the chronicler loves David, and this is what he's talking about. In that, um, I just thought that was really interesting that all these other folks didn't get the playtime that David's getting. What do y'all think? Yeah, I think it's setting up. You know. We go through all this other, the 12 tribes and all of that. But now I think the Chronicler is starting to get into where his argument that he's making. I mean, he's pushing for the Davidic rule, the Davidic kingdom. And then he's going to go on, you know, next week we'll talk about Solomon. And so he's, it's moving kind of away from history. And now he's got a case to make. I mean, David's the guy because the Chronicler is writing in the midst of some crazy times and he's trying to remind folks and also point to the fact that, right, like this has a purpose. David 
is, you know, we're part of that and we're going to lead to something better. Yeah. yeah he's taken um, distilling God's relationship with a community because that's ultimately, you know, uh, you know, a big theme throughout the Old Testament is the, is, is the relationship of God's people to God. And, and I think what the chronicler, uh, how do you say that again? Chronicler? <laughs> uh, it's a tongue twister. It's distilling down to what that looks like between God and one person and how it ripples out into the larger community. And I, it, it, it sort of takes from a 30,000 feet and brings it down to a more intimate relationship. And yet, and yet that 30,000 foot perspective is still in the air and in the sphere. You see the ramifications of that, I think. Yeah. Dorian, you said there was a couple of things that um, stood out to you. I'd love to hear um, some of the things that when you were looking at, there was a lot that stood out to me, mainly all these really, really, really hard words. Um, which I, I want to tell you all a quick story. When I was reading the gospel yesterday, you know how it was talking about feeding your donkeys on the Sabbath. I said, feeding your monkeys on the Sabbath, like messed the gospel up and said monkeys. Instead of monkeys. Um, and I just had to laugh and keep going. But anyway, um, what were some things that, um, that stood out to you about what we asked you to come talk with us today about? Well, one of the big transitions, you know, leaving the section from last week into this week, I mean, you know, the, at the end of chapter 10, the, the people of God are left defenseless and they're at the mercy of their enemies and, and, you know, they're, they're sort of, they've lost a lot. Uh, and there's this huge transition here where, I mean, you, you jump right in, David's anointed king of Israel, Jerusalem's captured. Uh, and then it tells, you know, the kind of lays out almost kind of like a genealogy, all his, warriors and generals, you know, all the important people that are part of his military. And so you, you transition from this sort of like, uh, lament and, and, and emptiness to all of a sudden the, the, you know, the, the Israelites are built back up to this, um, you know, like mighty military, if you will. Um, yeah. Which is if we fast forward though, <laughs> Yeah, it's the hard names. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, all those names and and uh, you know who who the important people are, it, and and not to to jump too far ahead, but but later on, I I think it might be in chapter uh, chapter like seventeen. Um, it's 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 where um, uh, David, the part where David like demands the census be made. Uh, of who's in the military, you know, and, and, and that is then seen as a, he gets in trouble for it. You know, it's a, it's a sinful thing. Um, and the reason I'm sort of given these bookends at the front end is what it shows is that even though there's this great military strength and that it's really not about the military, it's, it, you know, the, the trusting in God, that, that's sort of the vehicle and, um, you know, theme of it all. But God is saying that's not the power. That's not the might. The military is not actually what's important. What's important is the fiduciary trust in relationship with God and that God's got providence and control and the strength uh, and that all that's held in God, not in the military, um, which is just stunning for me, I think, um, uh, you know, looking at today's world, uh, you know, the conflict around the world. I mean, that's what we put our 
our trust in a lot of times is, you know, the military, we pour so much money into that, you know, um, we, we pour so much trust into, uh, you know, uh, different types of law enforcement. I mean, we see the militarization of the, the law enforcement. And those are like, we, we, we think power is one thing, but even in the strength of the military, God is, is saying in the story of David that that's not where your strength is, my friend. Um, your strength is in your relationship with, with me, with God. Um, I don't know. How do y'all, how do y'all respond to that? I think that is an excellent, excellent point. And, and, and I love that you brought that up. Um, cause I also think like when you're reading the Bible, you can get like really caught up in the minutia, like all the little details, like why are all these things here and all that kind of stuff. And I love what you said is that's really not the point. You know, the point more is how do we trust in God and how do we, and how do we remember that God has told us a million times, I am here, I am here, I am your strength, I am your source. Um, and so I appreciate that. I think when you do something like this Bible love podcast, like we can get caught up in the weeds of it all. Right. So I just really appreciate that. Just like this is really what it's about. And it's not just here. It's all over the Bible. Mm-hmm. It make, yeah, this is really fascinating. Thanks for bringing this up, Dorian. First off, it makes me think, right, I'm going to get emails about this. I'm in Northeast Tarrant County where there's a whole bunch of school districts, right, that are telling teachers, here are books you can have and books you can't have. That's really big in the news around here right now. Uh, the Bible mm-hmm. was actually challenged and uh, for a moment, it was taken off of school libraries, which as a pastor, right? Maybe the Bible ought to be taken off school libraries because it's got really bizarre stuff in it. So we don't trust, <laughs> right? We don't trust teachers to do that kind of work, but you want to give them a gun to protect people. We trust teachers to have force and power, right? So where are we actually putting the trust there in the, the t- but you know, that's just an aside it made me think of, but but David's life is a perfect example of this, right? Like we all throughout the Old Testament, it's how big is your army? You're going to take these people and these people are going to take you and all of this. David, the story, this little guy picks up a couple of stones and he defeats the power with the faith and the trust in God. Not because he's bigger, or stronger, or has all the weapons or has the biggest military budget, but because God was with him, he, that's where the power lies not in the size of the rock, but in the faith in God. Yeah. Yeah. When you, and and couched in the middle of all that, you know, that that those bookends is, is David's pursuit of putting the ark back in Jerusalem, the restoration of the ark. And, and he fails and he, at first he's, he's uh, angry and sad about that. And then he ultimately does succeed. And, and part of his succeeding is that he, he, he does it the right way the second time. And mm-hmm. all of that is sort of rooted in, again, seeking God, following God's ways and paths, listening to God. Um, and, and, and so, so it even drives that point further, um, you know, couching these bookends of, of that, that that's really the central like characteristic or, or, um, you know, like role of David, like that's the central thing about him is, 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 is struggling with how to appropriately follow God's ways and paths and and remain rooted and grounded in that. And it, you know, uh, you could take another tangent at out, you know, down about, you know, it all has to do with the liturgy and, 
uh, and part of that restoring the ark, it's all about liturgy and we could get to like high church, low church <laughs> and all that kind of thing and that, but, but, but I just, it drives home that, that personal relationship, but how it impacts the larger community, I think, um, and, and how it ripples out. Uh, I just found that really fascinating that that was sort of nestled in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but I just want to make sure we talk about this. Um, <laughs> one thing that I noticed in this section that we're reading, um, I'm in um, chapter 16. There's this beautiful song of praise from the Psalms that is like stuck right in the middle of all this military talk and, um, you know, who's in charge and who the forces are and all of that. So, um, I don't know. I'm sure I'm wrong in this, but have we had the Psalms be in the Bible before we actually get to the Psalms? Maybe so. Maybe in David. Uh, maybe in. I think back when we were talking about David, there were yeah. some of those that we'll yeah. end up seeing. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like we hadn't even gotten to uh. the Psalms. <laughs> um, but there is this beautiful song of praise in the middle of that. So it does make sense, I guess, now that I'm talking it out, because when we were talking about David before, he's back again. But in the middle of this sort of strife is what I'm trying to say. David brings mm-hmm. in this song of praise. Give thanks to the Lord. Proclaim his greatness. Tell the nations what he's done. Sing praise to the Lord. Tell the wonderful things that he's done. Be glad that we belong to him. Let all who rejo- worship him rejoice. Like, And it's sort of like what you were saying a minute ago, Dorian. It's like bringing it back, right, to, to mm-hmm. what it really matters, which is God's love for us. And God has us. That was just something that really kind of stuck out to me in the midst of all this. Well, joy is central, right? I mean, that's, right. you know, um, I, I've traveled and I've worked for, I think, nine or 10 different Episcopal churches now uh, in my lay and clergy career. I've traveled uh, the country leading youth retreats and all sorts of stuff and been in lots of different churches and, and, and you can you can feel when joy is absent, and you can feel when joy is present. And whether it's smells and bells and chanting, uh, or a praise band, uh, or you know being out at Camp Gravit uh, in the midst of the pines, like like that's what's transformative is being rooted in that joy and thanksgiving. It just it just pours out and overflows into the community. Um, and I, I think that's that's the job of the the leadership of the church, and, and not just clergy, but the vestry and lay leadership. Lay, lay leadership is to to cultivate uh, and be models of this thanksgiving and joy um, uh, that that helps us uh, have that deeper connection to uh, to God, but then becomes a proclamation to our communities around us to say, look at the good news of God and what it does in our lives. Um, I, I just, it, it's paramount that, that, that we, um, you know, that our worship is to be alive and to be joyful. Um, and I think it's our role to facilitate that. I could not agree with you more. You know, I told y'all the story about saying monkey instead of a donkey yesterday, but you know, I made everybody laugh. And there was joy in that. And I was like, oops. And just like, you know, kept going and showed my human side of that. Right. 
and then kind of laughed about it again in my sermon when the animals came back up, you know, I was like, even monkeys. And I know that that, you know, is a silly thing, but we were joyful in that moment. We were worshiping the Lord in that moment, even though there was a mistake that was made. And how do we show that more? And I think David is trying to do that in this. The Chronicler is trying to show that in David. Um, and I think that is our job. I think that is absolutely our job. So Yeah, we had we had acolyte training yesterday. For, and we have a bunch of new acolytes. And these are like third, fourth graders, whatever. And they're doing a big thing. And like everyone's looking at, there's enough pressure. They don't need other people in authority adding that pressure. And so like, I always start these acolyte trainings with new acolytes talking about the time that I caught the carpet on fire in my church when I was a kid. Yeah. And <laughs> that, that church couldn't afford to replace the carpet. And so there was, or maybe they just wanted to leave it there to remember. To remember Alan's. And so I would come back, like I was a kid, I would come back like when I was in high school and I would see walk over the spot. Yep. That's where Alan tried to burn the church down. And like, I try to remind, I'm going to mess up every week. There's going to be something. I'm going to say monkey, or I'm going to forget the Lord's prayer and have to thumb through to find it or whatever it is. Cause I think we, especially I love the Episcopal church and the Episcopal tradition. Some people love it way too much. Yes. And it becomes an idol, right? Worship itself becomes an idol and it has to be this way and it can't be that way. And it, like, for some people that's lovely. For me, that just causes anxiety. And that's the last thing I want is to be slapping someone's hand away at the altar because they're not doing the right thing or to make someone feel like, oh, I've got it. No, we're here. Number one, these are kids. They're showing up yeah. maybe at 730 in the morning to serve the church. I mean, round of applause for that. Yeah, right? Like, right? Whatever they do, right? It's supposed to be joyful. We can celebrate that they're serving uh, in God's house, all of that, right? And I think we get that in David, right? Like he sets things up. He tells the Levitical priest, do this. And there's order and, right? Like I believe in all of that. But there's joy undergirding all of it. Yeah. You remember when we, we had my dad on and he talked about how he fell in love with the church before he fell in love with Jesus? I thought that was mm -hmm. like so honest and raw. And like that's what sometimes we do is we we fall in love with all these things and we forget about Jesus. And at this point in the Bible about God and the way God loves us, because at the very end of this Psalm, it says, um, give thanks to the Lord because he's good. His love is eternal. Say to him, save us. O God, our savior, gather us together, rescue us from the nations so that we may be thankful and praise your holy name. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Praise him now and forever. Then all the people said, amen, and praise the Lord. Like that is the joyful moment that we were talking about, you know, that amen and thank you, Lord. So, you know. We've got some pretty, um, maybe unique uh, worship at Holy Cross in that, <laughs> Years ago, um, the service became blended in the sense of we have a choir and an organ and we, we have uh, traditional choir anthems and hymns, but we also have a praise band and we have modern contemporary uh, praise and worship all in the same service. And then I love to chant and, and, and a little more high church leaning. So on high feast days, 
like I'll, I'll chant the Mozarabic uh, prayer D uh, on like Easter. And so we'll have hymns, anthems, praise, you know, the contemporary praise and worship and chanting all in one liturgy. And it's a little quirky and it's, it's probably, you know, maybe not for everyone, but, but it's really also cool and fun to see the breadth of the tradition in one place. And the people who are coming to Holy Cross are, you know, coming from all sorts of different backgrounds and they're so fascinated and they think it's so cool that they're getting ancient liturgy with, you know, contemporary emotive liturgy. And it's, it's been really fun, but the whole driving point that also I think ties into this Thanksgiving by David is that then it, it's got a, sh- it's got a shift into a Thanksgiving that is proclaimed. You, you want to feel the joy. And I always think about Jack Hardaway. Um, he's the rector at Grace and uh, Anderson. And he was my mentor priest for my first three years. And, and I've always kept the story uh, on the forefront of my mind whenever um, uh, I'm, I'm leading uh, vestry decisions or different things is the sense of gratitude, this Thanksgiving where they, at Grace, they installed a new playground and, and, um, they decided, you know, the, the question came up, should they, should they lock the gate or anything like that? Cause they're a downtown church. And, and, and Jack said, what, what if we don't, you know, what, what if, what if it's just open to the community? And that's where worship become that, that the Thanksgiving that's rooted in worship becomes a lived liturgy and a lived worship that invites people into the experience of God, because this Thanksgiving falls that David gives it comes after the ark is restored. So the presence of God is restored. And, and that's what elicits that Thanksgiving. And so when we see our lived liturgy uh, or worship in the world uh, as, a, as an outpouring of Thanksgiving, then the presence of God is, is acknowledged and restored and, pre- and, 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 and felt in, in ways that we could never ask or imagine, I think. Yeah, yeah that makes me, right? Like, we, Dr. Tony said a long time ago, and we repeated a bunch, we live on the other side of Easter, right? And you see in the Psalms, like David goes from one Psalm, like, woe is me, my life is dust, to the next, give thanks to the Lord, his steadfast love endures forever. David understands this. Both are true at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. We can we can be going through hard stuff. That doesn't make God and forgiveness and mercy and all of that untrue. Um, and love and forgiveness and mercy doesn't make suffering untrue. And so I think about, I have this personal crusade that I think people approach Lent in the wrong way, right? Like I have my own mm. history with Lent and all that. And people take it on and like, I have to suffer or I have to, no, no, you don't. Like one guy suffered so that we don't have to. Yes. And there's, Amen. there's this, Amen. Yeah, right. There's, <laughs> and this reminds me, there's this huge mega church that's, you know, I could maybe hit a golf ball there from here. And they started a new sermon series yesterday. Now I'm doing promotions for Keystone Church, apparently. <laughs> they're talking about emotions, right, and joy. And so I've, I've watched the sermon, and, and Brandon, he's preaching about joy. And he pulls out, you know, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, right, Hebrews. Right? Jesus is on the cross in the midst of suffering. But what's driving that is not shame, is not fear, is not guilt, is not anything. It's joy, like all of it, because Jesus knows the truth. We who live on the other side of Jesus know the truth. David, in all his frailty and humanness, knew the truth. And so the joy never goes away, even when you're, you know, 
in the midst of the mud and the, the pit. Yeah, for sure. You know, it kind of goes back to these battles again after the psalm, right? Dorian, I don't know if you picked up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, it makes me like super thankful for that reminder and what you brought and, and what you were saying and like um, that we have to remember God is in control of all of this. God is with us in all of this. Is there anything else that really stood out to you that you wanted to make sure we covered? Did I just put you on the I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the only other thing is, I mean, it's like a complete different turn, but it's that transition at the end. Um, and it's, it's David commissioning Solomon, you know, um, and uh, that's in chapter 22. And, um, and, and it's commissioning of a servant of God for, for new work, you know, and, and David was the, the warrior uh, king. And then Solomon is the, is the, is the peace and builder. And, and it's this transition into sort of stability. Um, but at the same time, there's, I'm trying to fast forward to it. You know, David's naming, I'm trying to find it, my bad. Um, he, he gives, he gives a charge to, to Solomon and where I'm having trouble finding exactly where it was. Uh, here we go. The Lord be with you so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord, your God, as he has spoken concerning you. Only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding. So when he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord, your God. Then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes the ordinances that the Lord commanded Moses. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed. With great pains, I've provided for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold, 1 million talents of silver, names all this stuff, so much timber, stone. To these, you must add more. You have an abundance of workers. Now begin the work and the Lord be with you. You know, it it names, he names, you know, fears and anxieties and uh, throughout this, this commissioning, and uh, but in naming the fears and anxieties also names the, the the promise of God that God is is with us that you know for us you know be, you know being a people um, uh, of the gospel you know we we know that Jesus is named Emmanuel God with us but it's it's written from the beginning throughout the Old Testament as well you know that that God is with us uh, and that's the, the the whole arc of the story uh, that God is with us and. And to end the transitions, in starting people in new ministries, uh, in commissioning work and ministries, to name both the blessing and the promise, the fears and anxieties, and, and how those uh, fears and anxieties are legitimate, but also that God is in the midst of them and, and will, will work in the midst of them, around them, through them, uh, subvert them, <laughs> conquer them, and, and ultimately is with us. Um, and, and that's just a, I think a powerful thing uh, for us to hear and and to know. Yeah. God is with us all the time. Every day has been from the beginning. I don't can't think of a better way to kind of wrap this up. Um, Dorian, I, we think of you as obviously we don't think of you. We, you are very dear friends of ours. But we think of you as part of the Bible Love Podcast family, and we're grateful you're here. And we told you that you would come back often, and we mean it. So <laughs> every time we get well, our 
Every time we get a hard section, you're up. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, you know, I don't want the easy stuff. You know, the hard stuff is what's fun to wrestle with. Uh, looking right. for that new angle. No, I I really appreciate y'all. Y'all y'all are. Uh, I'm so grateful that that y'all began this work and are, are offering this to our community. I shared it, you know, with the the Holy Cross folks, and I, I know some folks have checked it out. Shared it with Trinity when I was there before. It's it's just a rich resource, and I'm, I'm grateful for your faithfulness um and and doing this every week and and you know inviting folks like me in it's a joy uh and, and a privilege and it's always great to hang out with y'all so thank y'all very much blessings to y'all welcome. thank you and listeners remember as always we love you but most importantly god does